Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And this conversation was tender and came with only one hack. But it moved me, and I think it's going to stick with me, Christy, and I hope it sets some of our listeners free. If you've ever felt annoyed or boxed in or vulnerable when thinking about the popular personality tests out there at the moment, today we're talking about how to hack personality. Yeah, I feel like this conversation has been decades in the making for us, and I'm so glad we're finally sharing about the tool that has really changed our lives, our marriages, our parenting, our friendship, and more. So get comfy, friends. Here we go. Lisa Joe, I think I'm really, the thing I'm really loving about this summer series we've got going, we're right in the middle of it, actually moving toward the end, this is number six in the series our How to Hack It series. Um, The thing I'm really loving about it is that I think it's allowing you and I to have conversations, bite-sized conversations about all kinds of things we're interested in, things that maybe we haven't even talked about on the podcast before, um, but to do it in these little bite-sized ways. And I almost wonder if maybe some of these conversations we might have you know, sort of deeper dives later in the year. I could see that happening with this one. So this week, number six in our Hackett series is how to hack personality, which Lisa Joe, that's something you and I privately talk about all the time. It's weird how much we talk about it. Right. And yet we haven't really done a bite-sized or a deep dive into like personality stuff on the podcast really until our recent summer series on party personalities. But that was such a like a fun, quirky take on on the whole, you know, personality, uh, you know, subject. But I think today and how we talk about how to hack personality, we're getting to, we're not making it up. We are going to, as non-experts, talk about some real personality discovery tools that are out there, things that have, well, frankly, changed our lives. I know they've changed my life. Um, But again, because it's part of the Summer Hackett series, we're going to keep it kind of brief and to the point and um, give you maybe those shortcuts, because some of it, frankly, can be pretty overwhelming, right? right? I mean, have you ever Googled Enneagram. I know. Like, <laughs> it's like scary. <laughs> Which is why I think so it much. was fun for us in our series we did earlier this summer. We kind of just made up personality types. Right. <laughs> we did a series, if you haven't listened, it's called Seven Party Personalities. And we we're just thinking about the kinds of party, like actual, the personality a party itself tends to have, and then the kind of people that are drawn to creating those events. So, for example, like we had the artist, the extrovert, the romantic, the introvert, the wishful thinker. I mean, go back and listen to those. The Epicurean, it was so fun. The Connector, those were were for fun for us, based somewhat on a loosey-goosey personality paradigm. But this is, yeah, there are all these experts that have written a million books. What's funny is, I think the first time I came into contact with the idea of personality types. I remember the exact year, and I remember the country, and I remember where I was. It was 2002. I was in Kiev, Ukraine. In our apartment, it was probably around seven o'clock in the evening because I got back from work, and my husband Peter handed me this book 
I'll never forget. I remember the title even. It was called Please Understand Me. Do you remember this book? Yes. I can't yes. believe you're talking about that book because in my head was the same title. No that was my yes. first experience as well. So was it as um, eye-opening for you as it was for me? It was shocking to me. Shocking. I mean, this was the time when like the internet wasn't that big yet. There wasn't really a way to disperse information as widely and globally and instantly that we have now, where I feel like most of the world is in the same conversation all the time now because of social media. We didn't have that yet. There was no social media. So I had not heard about this book. Peter handed it to me and asked me to read the chapter on his personality type. For context, at this point, we had been married five years. We had lived in, you know, several different locations. We were now in Kiev, Ukraine. I had a pretty high stress job with the UN working on counter human trafficking. Pete and I were often like crossed wires. And I read this chapter. And it was as if I was seeing my husband bear with me naked for the first time, because mm -hmm. I had never understood his inside internal world that way before. I had also, I think, largely assumed, because why would we not, that how I experienced the world internally was how everybody experienced it. It was my yeah. first time even contemplating that my understanding of the world was not how Peter was experiencing or processing the world. And it, it, was, it was almost disconcerting. I mean, it was so shocking and so vulnerable and so, so intimate, I, I almost didn't know how to process it is how it was for me. I don't, how was it for you? And you read it for the first time. Did you read it first or did John give it to you? I read it. And actually, I think it, I, it's been so long, but I feel like it was my mom or my dad, maybe my mom who passed it on to me. And then I passed it on to John. I think um, my parents have been in Christian ministry for many years. So it's not unusual for them to, you know, find sort of helpful books and materials and then pass them on to me. And so I think my mom gave it to me. And um, so mine was more of a personal revelation. I, I think I've I had gone, I really had gone through childhood and life. I, my temperament is very different from all the other members of my immediate family. They are all very similar, and I'm kind of the outlier in terms of temperament. So I think for that reason and others, I had sort of gone through life feeling like there, like there was something missing or something wrong or something broken or something not quite right. And I don't, I don't, it wasn't a conscious thinking and I didn't, necessarily have that language for it, but a sort of sense of like, other people ha have the world figured out and I don't. <laughs> so, I read, you know, these personality types in that book. I, you know, sort of quickly realized mine, which I actually think is the same as, as your husband Peter's, which is so funny that, you know, you're... Uh, your good friend and your husband are so similar. It makes sense. Um, but when I read that, I, I felt a sense of like, recognition that was to was totally new for me because I had never in my close relationships looked at someone and seen somebody who seemed to operate the way I did or think the way I did. But now in this book was sort of evidence that like my way was a legitimate way and, and yeah. wasn't a broken way, <laughs> but was like a way, even though it wasn't a way that I had seen. It wasn't a temperament I had seen in the people Wait, in I my immediate family. for a second to just point out like the, the verb you just used to describe yourself and your perspective, how different it was, how I just described myself 
evidence like at the core of why these personality descriptors matter because i remember i said i couldn't imagine that anyone else saw it differently than i saw that like my way was the way but you right. just described your way as maybe being the broken way or the dysfunctional way isn't that so interesting like even yeah. how we would have described how our personalities <laughs> yeah. operate or how we see the world that dear listener is why these kind of studies are so pivotal yeah yeah it's true and i think um you know, while it'd be fun, you know, over the next, you know, 20 minutes or so to like t- get into some specifics, think specific tools or specific things we've learned. Um, but just to speak globally for a moment, I think that is why you and I always return to this in conversation, this whole idea of temperament and different personalities is because um, it's life changing, not only in our self perception, but in our perception of others to um, have a clear sense of differences so that we can show compassion so that we can be appreciative. You know, it was um, very helpful for me for in that initial book, but then later through tools like the Enneagram to gain understanding into my husband, like you mentioned, um, because now when he be, when he responds in situations in ways that I would never respond, that used to be very irritating. <laughs> it can still be irritating at times, but now I have this whole understanding of like, oh, but that's, he often responds in those situations in this way. And here's the reason for it. And not only here's the reason for it, but here's how, you know, sometimes this is the gift that he brings to these situations. And it's different than the gifts I bring. And um, and to just have that level of understanding, even before either of us have changed or grown, because that's a whole separate issue, right? Hopefully if these tools are, if we're going to spend time on them, ultimately they need to be things that are helping us change and grow, not just saying here are your patterns, you're stuck with them, but like helping you, you know, mature, grow, change. But even before change happens or growth happens, just to have that understanding, that insight into other people's ways or habits or motivations that can be so different from ours, um, it's it's life-changing for relationships, for um, communities, and I think it's helped me, again, as a solitary person, to really grow in my appreciation for community as I realize in all these ways how, how, how wonderful we are as individuals, but also how how much we need one another and how lacking we are in ourselves. Like I'm good at certain things, but there's so much I'm not good at. Like I am not good at bringing humor to sad situations, but guess what? My husband is. <laughs> so if a joke is what's needed, he's got one. If, if tension needs to be broken with laughter, like he's your guy. And, and I can appreciate that that's what he brings um, and that that is needed sometimes um, and that I, I don't have that to offer. And so that beauty of uh, in community and in relationship is, I think, more apparent to me now because of the time I've spent studying myself and studying, you know, these personality tools. So if you're wondering about this book, please understand me. I thought I would just let our listeners know, and we'll link it in the show notes. This transformative book for Christy and I came out a long time ago. It's called Please Understand Me, Temperament, Character, Intelligence. It's by a guy called David Kiersey. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. And he was one of the very first people to basically categorize personality types into these four types. And... um 
it ranks you like these different types. And I remember reading Peter's and then when I flipped and read mine, it was like somebody had read my diary and was describing who I am. I felt so, I almost felt so exposed at first, like, oh my Mm. gosh, I don't even know if I want Peter to read this because it's so much like me. So, the book is really wonderful. And then, of course, the other test you've probably heard about a lot is um, Strength Finders, which is out there. A lot of companies Mm -hmm, do mm -hmm. that and churches use it. And probably the third now most popular one that you hear about everywhere is the Enneagram. And uh, so we're not necessarily advocating for any of these. We're simply saying if you've been skeptical or you wonder why it matters, we thought that's what we could unpack, the hack for why it's useful. Uh, Yeah. Because it's useful, number one, for yourself to understand your motivations better. It's useful in relationships. So whether it's with a spouse or friends or a business setting, and then it's useful as a parent with kids, too, to try to, I think of it as decoding, right? And it is like its own hack. It's sort of a hack, a shortcut to understanding, of course, not the intimate motivations of a person, but the broad the broad strokes for why someone may move through the world the way that they do. And it should never be used as a tool to um, hurt or control or manipulate, obviously. Um, but it really, I think, is, a, is an act of love, of wanting to love your neighbor as yourself. And sometimes you're in order to understand your neighbor, you have to understand yourself. And so, mm-hmm, these mm-hmm. these kinds of tools are that. They are a tool. They're not a Bible. Um, but they're, they're a really fascinating tool. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you mentioned that you're, <laughs> you felt exposed. That wasn't necessarily a good feeling. I think that's worth um, dwelling on is that the experience of learning about yourself can sometimes be fun, can sometimes be healing, I think, as it was for me at that time. Um, But my first introduction to the Enneagram, well, I mean, I'd heard of it, so it wasn't my first, but my first sort of real like, oh, I get it, was through a friend, which was really great, um, because it was, you know, kind of a safe conversation, a safe space. And she and I are very similar. And she had learned a lot about the Enneagram and found it very helpful um, through um, her Christian ministry organization. And so, she was just sharing about herself. But as she was doing it, and as I was understanding her Enneagram type and what Enneagram was about, and the way um, Enneagram um, seeks to help us understand our, our deepest motivations, I I saw myself, Lisa Joe, and mm. I burst into tears. Like it really? just came out. Like I just started crying. Re- like because of like <laughs> what were the tears reflecting? Was it relief? Was it embarrassment? No. <laughs> oh, oh no. I think it was, was it like shame? a combination of shock. I was shocked. I was shamed, like ashamed, embarrassed. I I I couldn't even actually put words on all of it. I think it was a very intense experience that even was somehow beyond language, beyond understanding. I don't, I didn't really know why I was crying, but I was overcome in my response. And I think that that's where the tears were. Um, and ultimately, like, I think now years later, I have a little more language for it. And I think even though it wasn't totally clear to me in that moment, you know, what became clear as I learned more about the Enneagram and learned more about my type is that at that moment, I think my friend gave me a gift because I was stuck in some habits of res- how I responded to my life in certain situations. I was very much 
trapped in my habitual responses, my habitual way of handling life. I was trapped. And I think what she did in just describing that type, describing herself, is she sort of showed me, this is the box you're in. And I, and I think I was just overcome with that, that realization. Oh my gosh, that's me. I'm in that box. You know, I'm, I'm stuck in that box. These things that I thought about myself that were just ways that I had to respond, that were inevitable, like I was now seeing as choices I actually had, and I hadn't realized I had choices. So I think the Enneagram for me in particular has been, um, it's going to sound very cliched, but it's true. It's been this journey of freedom. So the growth has brought freedom. So what I learned that day is that, you know, my type, I was a type four Enneagram, Funny enough, these all these years later, I feel much less four-ish. I, I am still that type, but it no longer, yeah, I don't feel quite as much that type, but that's because I've been able to grow beyond that box. I've been able to recognize my habitual responses as choices, which means I can occasionally choose other responses. And the more you choose other responses, the more sort of whole you become and um, the stronger those other muscles, you know, become metaphorically. And, um, and so I think that I, I think I've known people who maybe hold off or are hesitant about these tools because they don't want to be put into a box. But my experience has been quite the opposite. It's been more the tool that showed me I was in a box that I didn't see. It was this invisible box. It made the box visible and then it gave me tools to begin to start like stepping outside of that. Wow, box. that's phenomenal. That might be the best description I've ever heard for why these tools are empowering. And it actually made me think of a psalm I pulled up as you were speaking. Ooh. Because in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, the psalmist, David himself, so hundreds, thousands of years ago, I think speaks with a similar invitation that Christy has just said. And it's what I was thinking as you were describing this, because it is a vulnerable thing to say, and yet it is empowering. Because essentially, when you say, I saw the box, I learned and learned something about me and I grew. As believers, what we actually think is happening in the healthiest form is we are inviting the Holy Spirit in, right? And He is seeing something about us. And because God loves us so much, what He's revealing to us is always in love because He wants us to grow. And it makes me think of David because these are the verses, and we've heard them probably many times, "'Search me, God, and know my heart.'" test me and know my anxious thoughts. And I love that. Like, it does feel nervous and anxiety inducing and worrisome to kind of probe into who we are and what motivates us. And he goes on to say, and it's so vulnerable that he says this, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I just think it's such a beautiful invitation to the Holy Spirit to come alongside all of these tools, because ultimately that's what we're that's our goal as believers, to grow, to grow up. You know, Paul talks about the difference between being believers who are like children who still have to just drink milk and believers who are adults now eating solid food. And we always want to keep growing in our understanding of ourselves because it's how we grow in Christ. And that also, when you describe being free from your box, it allows us to recognize where other people are 
and love them and see for them, right, a fullness and a richness, not to put them in boxes, but instead to to take what we've learned about their type as a starting point for who they are. I just think that's such a great picture that the the type or the, you know, the personality type or the Enneagram number, it's not supposed to be like a cage. And actually, my stepmom, who I adore, I remember talking to her about it. And she said, No, I don't want anybody I don't want to read those because I don't want someone telling me, Oh, you're just like this. But what a better way to say, oh, wait, no, no, it's not a cage. It's not a box. It's not a cell. It's a beginning point so that you can grow beyond whatever that starting place is. Yeah. And I think that's something more than any other personality template I've looked at that Enneagram, especially when um, it's taught or shared in a, you know, a Christian context, I think it does so well, um, better than maybe some of the others about emphasizing that, what does growth look like for right. that type? What is, and, 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 and really framing it always about growth and development and not sort of staying where we are, <laughs> which is, is, I'm so glad you read that Psalm. I mean, that is what life with, with Christ is all about. It's what our podcast is all about, you know, growing that daily life that matters where we talk about ordinary life so much because um, we are actually invited to, you know, grow this life that, that we're living. Um, yeah, so Enneagram does that so well. I'll, I'll also speak up for StrengthsFinder. I had a chance to do that um, with a StrengthsFinder coach this past year and found it so helpful, um, especially uh, in my work life as I, you know, work more with other people and, and leading teams um, to realize quite concretely what are my strengths? And then what does it look like for me to lead or work out of those strengths, which you would think would be intuitive that we would just do that because they are our strengths, but actually not so much. Mm. (laughs) You know, we may just do things the way we see other people do things without realizing, oh, you know, for example, I'll give one just short example here at the end. Um, You know, I've always known that I'm a thinker, but going through the strengths finder with this coach and seeing that, yes, indeed, thinking was my number one strength. Um, you know, the coach really prompted me to think through like, well, okay, practically, what does that mean for you and your working life? And I realized um, sometimes there are people around me who do really well with brainstorming sessions and processing things in real time in a meeting. And I realized, oh, as a thinker, that will never be my best thinking <laughs> because I, I need that time to get away on my own, to process, to think things over, and then come you know, to that meeting and then come to the decision. So I have learned um, if there's a, a decision coming up or an issue that I need to discuss with someone or a team, I have learned to sort of reach out ahead of time to say, hey, what's on your mind? Or what do you think might come up with this meeting? Or what are you going to you know, be wanting my input on? Can, you know, at any point, if you can let me know, I'd appreciate it because I do best when I have time to think about it. And um, it's also helped take the pressure off of me. Like if I'm in a meeting where we're brainstorming, I can just let people know, hey, okay, I'm going to take this in. I'm taking notes, but just know that I can't make a decision today or I can't help you make a decision today. I'll walk away. I'll give it some thinking time and then I'll get right back to you. And just realizing that's my strength. So what does it look like to structure my working life in order to work out of that strength. Um, it's just been some small tweaks, but but really they're huge. So um, yeah, really grateful for that one as well. 
It's a great example to end on because I can follow on by saying as your friend and because I care about your personality type, I have learned this about you over the years. And so if I want to start something new on the podcast or a project we're going to start together or I want to, you know, I'm planning to come to your house and we are going to talk about certain things, I know now it's most effective to send you a voice note first or an email sharing those ideas to essentially give you time to pre-think, to share ahead of time (laughs) with you. And it's, I like that because it's some, I have learned this is a great way to engage with Christy. The same is that Christy knows about me since I am a verbal processor. I will sometimes leave her these incredibly long rambling voxes and I will say at the beginning, you don't even need to respond to this. I just need to process these thoughts. And literally like I can talk for five minutes and by the time I get to the end, I'll be like, oh, oh my gosh, yes. Like I think I understand now. Like I've essentially learned the thing I was asking her and she will often then just respond. I've left this long five minute message and then she will just text back like one sentence like yep sounds great yep (laughs) I think yep you got it (laughs) I agree with your conclusion yeah (laughs) yeah and I think that's what we mean by how to hack personality it isn't this is the test to do or this is the type we wanted to teach you about instead we just wanted to do one big hack which is saying this is why these tests are helpful tools we hope for you and the people in your lives, pretty much. Yeah. So I don't know, Lisa Joe. I feel like we might have more to say about this if our listeners are interested in hearing more. Well, let us know. I mean, we love to hear from you. And if you want to hear more, tell us. And I think we could give you more. But for today, I don't know. I'm ready to get on to the next two Hackett conversations um, to finish out this summer series. I know. I'm looking forward to it, too. So you can tag us if you've got thoughts or opinions on our personality hack. I am at Lisa Joe Baker on Instagram and Facebook. And I am at Christy Purifoy. Mm-hmm.